Welcome to The Fastest Five Minutes, presented by Kroll & Mooring. We are your co-hosts for this edition, Peter Ayer and Yuan Zhou, bringing you a bi-weekly summary of significant government contracts, legal and regulatory developments that no government contracts lawyer or executive should be without. And we're gonna start this edition with a familiar theme, which is the intersection of labor and employment and government contracts. On January 10th, the Department of Labor and the Office of Management and Budget issued a memo directing all agencies to designate agency labor advisors who are responsible for advising agencies on federal contract labor matters. FAR Part 22 contemplates the appointment of labor advisors who can be contacted by contractors about potential labor disputes or questions. However, DOL and OMB have found that not all agencies have such a role. Agencies must designate these advisors by February 15th of this year. The DOL and OMB also announced the creation of the Contract Labor Advisor Group, an interagency working group comprised of labor advisors and acquisition professionals that will, open quote, promote better understanding and implementation of contract labor laws and improve communication across agencies in support of a strengthened federal contracting base, close quote. So that's one update. Next up, Yuan is going to talk about a proposed rule involving CIBR. Thanks, Peter. On December 19th of last year, DOD issued a proposed rule that seeks to implement the data rights portions of the May 2019 Small Business Innovation Research Program and Small Business Technology Transfer Program Policy Directive, so the SIBR STTR Policy Directive. And it also seeks to impose significant changes to technical data and computer software marking requirements. So among other things, DOD is proposing the following revisions to the DFARS. First, DFARS 252-227-7018 is going to be updated to incorporate the CIBR STTR policy directive. And these changes include adoption of a new term, CIBR STTR data, which encompasses all technical data or computer software that's developed or generated in the performance of a phase one, two, or three CIBR STTR contract or subcontract, adoption of a 20-year CIBR STTR data protection period, and inclusion of a new CIBR STTR data category, which specifies limited rights in CIBR STTR technical data and restricted rights in CIBR STTR computer software during the CIBR STTR data protection period. Now, second, contracting officers are prohibited from requiring offerors to relinquish their CIBR and STTR data rights or from rejecting offerors solely due to CIBR STTR data rights restrictions. But similar to current guidance of the DFARS, the proposed rule indicates that the government may still evaluate the impact of restrictions on the government's ability to use or disclose technical data or computer software in a manner that's consistent with acquisition preferences and other guidance. Now, finally, the proposed rule makes changes that are actually unrelated to the CIBR STTR policy directive, including revisions to marking requirements to address recent case law. Now, specifically, the proposed rule revises the marking requirements in DFARS 252-227-7013, and 17-18 clauses to create and require a new unlimited rights marking for technical data or computer software that's furnished to the government without restrictions. 
It limits the restrictive markings on non-commercial technical data and computer software to those specified in the relevant clauses. And it updates the 7015 clause marking requirements for tech data pertaining to portions of a commercial item that were developed exclusively at private expense to clarify that restrictive markings used must accurately reflect the government's license rights. So this gives contractors discretion to choose and use their favored restrictive marking consistent with commercial practices. So big changes there on the data rights front. And to the extent contractors are interested in participating, the DOD plans to hold a virtual public meeting on the proposed rulemaking in early February 2023, with registration closing on January 26th. Peter, back to you. Great. Thanks, Yuan. Big changes for sure. Uh, next up, we're going to talk about litigation involving the president's authority under a particular statute when it comes to issuing executive orders. On January 6th, the District Court for the District of Arizona dismissed a lawsuit brought by the Attorneys General of Arizona, Idaho, Indiana, Nebraska, and South Carolina against the Department of Labor and President Biden, challenging the minimum wage increase to $15 an hour for federal contractors. The five AGs filed the lawsuit in February of 22 in response to President Biden's executive order known as increasing the minimum wage for federal contractors and DOL's final implementing rule uh, that went to uh, how that was going to be imposed through the FAR. The AGs argued, among other things, that President Biden did not have the authority to raise the minimum wage under the Federal Property and Administrative Services Act, that's sometimes known as FAPASA or the Procurement Act, and they asked the court to issue a preliminary injunction against the rule. FAPASA broadly grants the president authority to prescribe policies and directives that the president considers necessary to carry out the purpose of the act in connection with federal procurement. FAPASA has been the subject of quite a bit of litigation recently, including in connection with the federal contractor vaccine mandate. The court rejected the challenge, finding that the government had demonstrated a nexus between FAPASA's goals and the minimum wage increase and pointing to the minimum wage increases under the previous three administrations. So that has been denied. So contractors need to be focused on implementation of that rule uh, going forward. Uh, next up, Yuan's gonna talk about a new statute that may be of interest to government IT contractors supporting the Department of Veterans Affairs. Thanks, Peter. So on December 27th of last year, President Biden signed the Bipartisan Strengthening VA Cybersecurity Act of 2022. The act is going to require the VA to obtain an independent assessment of the VA's most critical IT systems, as well as its overall cybersecurity posture. The cybersecurity assessment needs to cover on-premises, remote, cloud-based, and mobile information systems and devices that are used by or in support of VA activities. Additionally, the assessment has to include an evaluation of the unapproved use of IT systems, devices, services by VA employees and contractors, and must leverage industry best practices and current state-of-the-art in cybersecurity evaluation and review practices. Moreover, the Act requires the independent assessment to analyze the VA's ability to ensure the confidentiality, integrity, and availability of VA information, devices, and information systems, and to protect against cyber threats. 
Now, the act requires the secretary of the VA to submit a detailed report and plan of implementation to Congress within 120 days of the independent assessment, followed by a GAO evaluation of the act's implementation after another 180 days. Peter? Great. Thanks so much, Yuan. And with that, we will wrap up this edition. This has been the Fastest Five Minutes brought to you by Kroll and Mori. See you again in two weeks. If you have any questions, I can be reached at 202-624-2807 and Yuan can be reached at 202-624-2666. Thanks for joining. The Fastest Five Minutes podcast is brought to you by Kroll and Mori LLP. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts. And if you enjoy our show, please leave us a review. You can find more information at kroll.com slash govconpodcast.